Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. Hello, my lovely Wake Warriors. I am back with another solo episode and I'm excited to share with you what lessons I've been working on in my own personal self-growth journey. I thought, what better week than Valentine's week to talk about self-compassion? And I guess I'll start out with a little note about Valentine's Day. You don't have to love Valentine's Day. You don't even have to like Valentine's Day. And there may be some very valid reasons for hating or disliking it, but it doesn't have to necessarily be such a miserable day for people who are single or freshly broken up or whatever the reason may be. I know that generally we believe that it's a holiday to celebrate with your romantic partner, but what if we reframe it to just be a holiday of love? It can be a day you dedicate to yourself to express self-love and treat yourself to something nice. And it can also be a day that you just express extra doses of love and affection to all the loved ones in your life. Send your mom flowers. Write a love or appreciation note to your best friend. Treat yourself to a bubble bath and chocolates. And if you have a track record of feeling super low on Valentine's, maybe you commit to staying off social media for this holiday. That way you eliminate the possibility of falling into a spiral of self-loathing, feeling bad for yourself when in comparison, seeing all the lovey-dovey posts from couples. You don't have to subject yourself to that. If you're not in a good headspace to be scrolling through a lot of highlight reels showing off their so-called picture-perfect relationships, which there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're not in a good headspace to be intaking that, you know, just log off. Just stay off social media and go take care of yourself. Take gentle care of yourself during this holiday and do what is best for you. I hope that you will at least take the day to show yourself some extra love and care because you are loved. You deserve the highest level of love. You are capable of love and you are love. Now, as for self-compassion in general, I've been working on this self-compassion workbook during my therapy sessions after I had a big breakthrough early last summer. So I've been on this up and down journey for quite some time now, trying to soften my inner critic and be more compassionate towards myself, because that's the realization that I came to when I had this breakthrough. And that initial breakthrough itself was very hard to accept and come to terms with. I just realized that for someone who preaches self-love, self-care, and just taking care of your mental health in general, I am so incredibly mean to myself. My inner critic is basically screaming at me all the time. And I have a lot of perfectionistic 
tendencies that amplify it even more. And that's actually the next workbook my therapist wants me to work through is unlearning that perfectionism. Because like I think I've mentioned several times on this podcast now, I set these extremely high expectations for myself. I put such unrealistic pressures on myself that it makes it easier to fail than it does to succeed. And then I end up in this cycle where I can't realistically live up to my own high expectations. So then I beat myself up for not doing so. And I've tried time and time again to beat myself up into doing or being better. But turns out that's not a great motivator. So I have a really hard time giving myself any dose of grace or empathy. But during my breakthrough, I came to an even further realization that I was also projecting a lot of those harsh and unrealistic expectations onto people around me, expecting them to be something they are not. And then being disappointed and resentful when they don't meet my internalized perfect idea of what they should be or do. And that was even harder to come to terms with that my own inner critic was now not only causing me great suffering, but was bleeding out and affecting how I showed up or viewed my relationships. And that's what our inner critic does. It creates so much suffering for yourself. It's normal and even inevitable to go through painful hardships and experience uncomfortable emotions, but we don't have to make it even harder for ourselves. In this self-compassion workbook by Kristen Neff, they explain that pain times resistance equals suffering. The narrative you are creating in your head around those daily experiences of highs and lows can amplify the situation or accept it. So I'll give you an easy example. Let's say I failed a test at school. Maybe I didn't carve out any time to study or the concepts were just extra difficult for me. And so whatever the reason may be, I didn't do so hot. But where your inner critic amplifies your suffering in this situation is when it creates narratives on top of that failed test. Now you're making it to mean that you as a person are a failure, that you are lazy, that you should just drop out of school because you aren't good enough. Now it's taking this unfortunate event and spinning it, adding more and more shitty emotion or meaning on top of it and just exacerbating suffering. Where self-compassion can come in is through mindful acceptance. You can acknowledge that this sucks and it hurts my grade while also talking to yourself like you would treat a friend in this scenario. Giving yourself grace and softening encouraging you so that maybe you feel more motivated for next time so that you can pick yourself back up and try again. Kristen Neff reiterates this message in the workbook. When we are mindful of our struggles and respond to ourselves with compassion, kindness, and support in times of difficulty, things start to change. When we can learn to embrace ourselves and our lives despite inner and outer imperfections and provide ourselves with the strength, 
we can learn to embrace ourselves and our lives despite inner and outer imperfections and provide ourselves with the strength needed to thrive. And I'm going to quote this self-compassion workbook often because it's where I have been learning these practices and working to soften my inner critic. And I will link that in the show notes below. She has just a regular book on self-compassion and then she has a separate self-compassion workbook with different meditations and prompts and exercises that help you work through these different concepts. This quote in particular hit home for me from the book. It says, most people believe self-criticism is an effective motivator, but it's not. Self-criticism tends to undermine self-confidence and leads to fear of failure. If we are self-compassionate, we will still be motivated to reach our goals, not because we're inadequate as we are, but because we care about ourselves and want to reach our full potential. Research shows that self-compassionate people have high personal standards. They just don't beat themselves up when they fail. This means they are less afraid of failure and are more likely to try again and to persist in their efforts after failing. The motivation of self-compassion arises from love, while the motivation of self-criticism arises from fear. Love is more powerful than fear. And I'm telling you, that rocked my world because I've been subconsciously thinking for so long that in order to be my best self, I have to be really hard on myself so that I can be motivated to do anything differently. And I have most definitely held the belief that if I'm too nice to myself and I give myself grace, you know, I'm being too easy on myself, I'll just become a lazy sack of potatoes that doesn't feel motivated to do anything. And I've said in the past that I'm trying to find the balance between self-discipline and grace because I fall into harmful extremes on both ends. But if you love yourself, if you are kind to yourself, you most likely will also naturally want what's best for yourself. You'll want yourself to succeed and do or be your best. It just comes with the extra grace of allowing yourself to be imperfect and get back up to try again after you fall. Whereas with my inner critic, when I fall, I repeatedly kick myself while I'm down, making myself feel worse and also making it more painful to try and get back up again. So despite my limiting belief thinking otherwise, softening with self-compassion would give myself the confidence and the resilience to try again when I fall. And along those same lines of self-compassionate motivation, Claudine Gallacher shared her similar thoughts when saying, blaming ourselves doesn't motivate us to evolve into the best version of ourselves. Only self-compassion creates the safety we need to sustain massive growth. Self-blame keeps us stuck in the past and drains our energy. Our future self isn't judging us. Our future self is calling us in. So you're probably wondering at this point, what does self-compassion even mean? What does self-compassion look like in real life? So according to Kristen Neff, there are three components of self-compassion. Self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Self-compassion is loving, connected presence. 
So I'll break down each component, sharing briefly what the workbook has to say about each. So the first one is mindfulness. This means being open to the reality of the present moment, allowing all thoughts, emotions, and sensations to enter awareness without resistance or avoidance. We need to be able to turn toward and acknowledge when we're suffering, to be with our pain long enough to respond with care and kindness. Many people don't acknowledge how much pain they're in, especially when that pain stems from their own self-criticism. Mindfulness counters the tendency to avoid painful thoughts and emotions, allowing us to face the truth of our experience even when it's unpleasant. Mindfulness prevents us from becoming absorbed by and over-identified with negative thoughts or feelings, from getting caught up and swept away by our aversive reactions. Rumination narrows our focus and exaggerates our experience. We need presence of mind to respond in a new way. So I think mindfulness is huge. Mindfulness is the beginning of all self-awareness and self-reflection, which are needed in order to grow. So if you're running on autopilot, your ego and your inner critic are going to run the show and they're going to get real loud. But if you are able to show up to that difficult moment with a conscious mindfulness, you are more likely going to be able to change that harsh narrative of your inner critic and reframe the moment with compassion, grace, and empathy for yourself. And I've had a really hard time with this one in general because I'm the queen of rumination or overthinking. I let those stories just spiral and get out of control. And instead of accepting the present moment, I ruminate on things I cannot change. And that, of course, amplifies my own suffering, right? Being able to pause for a moment to just take a deep breath before reacting can really make or break your response to a given situation or feeling. So mindfulness can help us do that. And the second component is common humanity. The workbook says this about common humanity. A sense of interconnectedness is central to self-compassion. It recognizes that all humans are flawed works in progress, that everyone fails, makes mistakes, and experiences hardship in life. Self-compassion honors the unavoidable fact that life entails pain and hardships for everyone without exception. So I think this common humanity piece is also important because of how quick we are to fall into traps of comparison or pity parties. And social media makes it even easier to forget the common imperfect humanity we all have when everyone is only posting the highlight reels. But if we are able to validate our own experiences by saying, I'm not alone, other people have also gone through this type of thing and made it out on the other side. This allows us to humanize ourselves, accepting that we aren't perfect and we all make mistakes, and we all have tough times, and that's normal. Just think about if your friend was going through a hard time. 
we most likely aren't blaming them, saying it's all their fault and they're such a screw-up. We most likely aren't drawing conclusions that this thing makes them unlovable or not good enough or a lost cause. No, not at all. But if we were going through that very same thing, we just might be thinking that about ourselves. So common humanity can help us also accept the realities of the situation without drawing more conclusions about what it means about us specifically. So then the third and last component is self-kindness. The book explains, when we make a mistake or fail in some way, we are more likely to beat ourselves up than put a supportive arm around our own shoulder. Rather than being harshly critical when noticing personal shortcomings, we are supportive and encouraging and aim to protect ourselves from harm. Instead of attacking and berating ourselves for being inadequate, we offer ourselves warmth and unconditional acceptance. We actively soothe and comfort ourselves. And this may or may not be the hardest piece to self-compassion because it is the actual softening of that inner voice to be kinder to yourself. I just want to share a quote from Instagram real quick about perfectionism and being human before we move on because I feel like it was written specifically for me. So Nedra says, from a therapist to the perfectionist. You can be many things, but you can't be perfect, at least not all the time. Continuously trying to achieve perfection leaves you exhausted and anxious. People are capable of loving you as you are. Even if this hasn't been your experience, unconditional love exists. Allow things to be good enough. I know that good enough sounds scary, but allowing things to be good enough creates space for you to be imperfect. Humans are imperfect. Allow yourself to be human. Allow people to know the imperfect parts of who you are. So a huge part of that self-kindness and compassion is rephrasing the narrative of your inner critic. A practice I was taught in the book is this self-compassion reflection. So at the end of the day, or maybe even throughout the day, write down the things you judged yourself for. What narrative was your inner critic feeding you? What beliefs did it enforce about you or a situation that came up? And once you write down that list, rewrite them. Rewrite them with compassion. Retrain your brain to think differently about that situation or emotion. And the account on Instagram called We Are Really Strangers posted the perfect post giving amazing examples of what it looks like to reframe that self-talk. So I just wanted to share a few so that you can get a good idea of what that might look like. So let's say your inner critic is saying, that was so stupid of me. You can reframe it to be, that was so human of me. And that's taking the common humanity approach. So if your inner critic is saying, why is this happening to me? You can reframe it to ask, what is this experience teaching me? If you find yourself saying, I wish I had their life, you can ask, what have I been taking for granted recently? Or if your inner critic is telling you, I don't look good today, you can reframe that into, 
What do I love about myself today that isn't physical? What value do I bring the world beyond just my appearance? If this one comes up, especially around Valentine's, my love life sucks, you can reframe it to think, my past relationships haven't been ideal. Moving forward, I will apply the lessons I've learned to allow the right person into my life. I tell myself this one all the time. I keep messing things up. You can reframe that into, my past mistakes are my greatest teachers. What do I keep doing that keeps hurting? What accountability do I need to take? How can I be kinder towards myself when I mess up? Your ego mind could be telling you, if I admit I'm wrong, I will seem weak. You can rewrite that into evolving my point of view when presented with new information is a sign of strength. Or the last one, I'm not enough, can be rewritten into I am worthy of all the things I want, even the things that feel out of reach. And I just think all of those are beautiful, and I've definitely experienced them in one way or another. And they're just super simple but perfect examples of what that might look like to reframe and rewrite those stories that your inner critic is feeding you into a more compassionate and humanizing response. So sit with wit on Instagram, which is not me. (laughs) I do go by wit, but sit with wit on Instagram gave some really good advice when it comes to just affirmations and reframing the stories you tell yourself. And she said, if positive affirmations feel fake, forced, or unachievable, you can modify them to make it more realistic for you. For example, Instead of saying, I love my body, maybe you're not there yet. So you can try saying, I will try to show up for my body. I want to love my body. My body is worthy of love, and I am finding ways to love my body. This way, they are more realistic for the state of progress you are in. So they are still positive you're working towards loving your body, but it just reflects where you actually are in that journey. So lastly, I want to end off with another idea for self-love because I had never even thought of it like this and I loved it. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with the five love languages. Lots of people take quizzes to figure out what their love language is. And I actually read a book recently on the five love languages because I was still very unclear on what mine were. And they explained you can express and receive love in different ways. So, for example, maybe someone expresses their love by doing acts of service for their loved ones. But if their loved one were to strictly do acts of service for them back they may not receive that as the highest form of love. So they may receive love more clearly through words of affirmation. So your love language can be different for how you express love and how you receive love. And of course, this is a spectrum because we probably need a dose of all of them, but we may just place more value on one over another. But taking these love languages further, 
Kate Devos on Instagram introduced the idea of your personal self-love language. So like personally, I need a lot of quality time for myself in order to feel loved and cared for by myself. Or maybe someone needs lots of words of affirmation for your self-love. So she recommends finding what love language speaks to you personally. And of course, you can always switch it up based on your present needs. But I just love that Kat gave some examples of how each of those five love languages can be adapted for self-love. So I just wanted to share her ideas here. So for acts of service, some different things that could fall under the acts of service category that would be considered self-love would be things like tending to your living space, you know, cleaning up and organizing, stocking the fridge, volunteering your time, cooking yourself a meal, or even the more boring quote, boring, self-care, like setting up auto pay or going to the dentist or getting an oil change. Maybe you're challenging your procrastination or asking for help. All things that would be loving acts of service that you would be doing for yourself. The second love language, quality time, which is big for me, some different things that would fall under that category would be cultivating alone time or managing your calendar so you don't overschedule yourself or just saying no and establishing healthy boundaries or things like going to a fitness class or taking time off work or joining a social group all things that you would be doing for yourself to spend quality time on yourself. So the third would be gifts. So things that would be considered gifts to yourself would be treating yourself within your means, donating money to a cause you believe in, saving for a vacation, signing up for a class to learn a new skill, investing in comfy bedding, focusing on quality over quantity, planting seeds, all different creative ways for gifts to yourself. So the fourth is words of affirmation, and that could include self-compassion mantras, positive affirmations, journaling, meaningful conversations, talk therapy, songwriting, poetry, all beautiful, beautiful things that could enforce those words of affirmation to yourself. And then the fifth one being physical affection. And I thought this one was very interesting for physical affection for yourself. So that could include things like an activity that returns you back to your body, like yoga does that for me, or resting and napping, exercise, self-pleasure, enjoying favorite foods, breath work, time in nature all things that could show yourself that you love your body and you're going to take good care of it. So it's all about asking what you need in this present moment because what you need for yourself today may look very different from what you need next week. And as humans, we need to be accepted, validated, seen, heard, protected, loved, known, 
cherished, connected, respected. So maybe journal. Journal and ask yourself, what need or needs am I lacking? Is there a way that I can offer a dose of that to myself? How can I show up for myself in this area? So those are just some fun little ideas to get your thoughts rolling on self-love languages that I thought was super interesting. And then lastly, I need to share this reminder before I sign off because I have to constantly remind myself of this. So the self-compassion workbook says, some people defeat the purpose of self-compassion training by pushing themselves too hard to become self-compassionate. And that reminder is a hard truth because the last thing I would want for you or for me to take away from this conversation is that you need to be perfect at being self-compassionate to yourself. Because let me tell you, you're not going to be. I'm definitely not. There are going to be days where your inner critic wins and it washes out that self-compassionate voice. But that doesn't mean you're a failure and that you can't wake up on a new day and try again to soften the inner critic. So don't set those unrealistic expectations like me that you're going to be perfect at loving yourself and attending to your needs and just being self-compassionate. It's a constant practice and it's a constant journey. I've been working on it for months and months now, and I still have to work on it just as hard as I did back in May. So to end off, I want to share a song like always, and I can't quite remember if I've shared this song on the podcast yet, but I'm going to choose it anyway because I feel like it's very relevant to this message and to 2020 and 2021, and it's just made me well up with tears more than once. So the song is Good Job by Alicia Keys, and the lyrics read, You're the engine that makes all things go, and you're always in disguise, my hero. I see your light in the dark. Smile in my face when we all know it's hard. There's no way to ever pay you back. Bless your heart. No, I love you for that. Honest and selfless. I don't know if this helps it, but good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Don't get too down. The world needs you now. Know that you matter. Six in the morning, and as soon as you walk through that door, everyone needs you again. The world's out of order. It's not as sound when you're not around. All day on your feet. Hard to keep that energy, I know. When it feels like the end of the road, you don't let go. You just press forward. I don't know if this helps it, but good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Don't get too down. The world needs you now. Know that you matter. The mothers, the fathers, the teachers that reach us. Strangers to friends that show up in the end. From the bottom to the top, the listeners that hear this. This is for you. You make me fearless. You're doing a good job. A good job. Don't get too down. The world needs you now. Know that you matter. And that is all that I have for you today. So thanks for listening and have a splendid Valentine's Day, treating yourself and loving yourself.
I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.